0: Want to listen to this Ivory Tower Boiler Room or True Crime and Academia episode ad-free? Head on over to our Patreon, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room to listen to all of our podcast episodes without any ads, you get access to our video episodes, our bonus episodes, and even more exclusive content, including merchandise. It only starts at $5 a month, so head on over to our Patreon. Again, it's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com Boiler Room. And while you're at it, you know what would be such a help is if you could rate and review the Ivory Tower Boiler Room on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure that you follow us and share out our podcast to all of your friends. It truly does help, and I want to thank you all. It means so much that you're listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. I hope that you enjoy this episode.
1: At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best, it's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line, it's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI, it's possible as we're already doing it, all while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder.
0: That Fire Island dynamic is very empowering. Like there is something when you're surrounded by gay men and you don't have to think, okay, well, I'm out with everyone in my life. But is this going to be a topic of conversation? Like it isn't a topic right. of conversation there. Um, instead, it's about what profession do you do? Like, oh, where are you coming from? Oh, I know that place in the city. Like, oh yeah, maybe we'll join each other like to see a show or get coffee. Like, and you start to build a network.
1: And that's yeah. more interesting to me, yeah. you know, yeah. that part of the conversation, and speaking about pop culture and literature and music and how you can potentially grow your network of friends, but also of professionals within the community. That's more important to me than a clothing optional, you know what I mean, vacation or a fire island, which I'm not opposed to going to.
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Dr. Andrew Rimby. And this is such an exciting episode because it's, more of a summer cultural conversation. I was joking with my guest that it's almost as if it's our gay cultural chat uh, corner, gay cultural corner. There you go. Going to try to coin it. But speaking of coining phrases, I am with Joseph Federico, the social media marketing maven. I think I got that right, Joseph. Um, you got it. But welcome. I know you're joining us from also from New Jersey, but I'm in South Jersey. I think you're in North Jersey. Correct. Yeah. So we're splitting Jersey right now. Um, (laughs) Everyone who sees the video of this, um, if you're our Patreon members, you watch the video um, or social media clips, I am in my childhood bedroom. So that's why the background isn't the same with my books. (laughs) So we'll see. Maybe the energy, Joseph, will be a more conducive, rapid fire with all this cultural... Uh, energy that where you've been sharing together. So, <laughs> you know, right away, I'd love for you to just explain. I remember getting this DM from you it had to be six months ago. I don't know. It was a I was going to
1: say six ago. months. It was a long time ago, Andrew. It was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, how did you discover either the podcast or my work?
1: So I am always looking for ways, especially within the community, to connect and grow you know each other's lives, other professionals, other podcasters, other videos that we could collaborate on. I literally did a Google search and your name came up. Your picture and your podcast, your YouTube, everything popped up and I found you on Instagram and I'm like, we need to connect. This guy looks like he's a professional, he has an established podcast and we have a lot to talk about. And not to sound cliche, but the rest is history. We hopped on a phone call immediately Like a week or two later, we chatted a little while and, you know, within Instagram, we talked about everything horror, everything queer, everything about literature. And Mm -hmm. here we are on the podcast, you know, talking about the things for your audience. So that's what happened. Yeah,
0: it's all (laughs) manifested. And if my audio now sounds different, sorry, everyone, I didn't realize I was using my computer microphone. So now I'm on the professional mic. Uh, So hopefully, Joseph, the audio when I was talking was not like you had to cover your ears. So You sounded
1: great. No, you're Now it's a little
0: crisper maybe. Um <laughs> yeah, no one needs to know how long it took me to try to like reinstall my hard drive for my microphone. But okay. So no, thank you for explaining all that, Joseph, and sure. it it means it means so much when like you said you found my work when you just googled me. But it means so much when listeners of this podcast, and I know you listen, but um Battle gay classic cinema. The host is Christian Garcia. Like he also DM'd me. Joe Nasta, shout out to him. He's a poet. And people will just come into the DMs and say, I've heard this episode or I want to connect with you because of, like you said, usually it's something to do with the queer community, usually maybe a gay male perspective, not always. Um, but I really love that you just reached out. And when I found out how you were coming into your own, like you were really trying to find your authentic voice, especially as a gay man, like what was, you know, maybe describe to me, why did you feel that there was a type of block? Like what was not authentic in your life?
1: I was you know, raised Catholic, not necessarily because of being raised Catholic. I'm still spiritual, right? I'm into all kinds of religions and, you know, such. But I was raised in a tight-lipped family where I couldn't be myself from a very early age, as I'm sure that's most of the queer community out there, especially gay men, where we feel like we can never truly be ourselves until we we work on ourselves, we free ourselves from those those chains, right? Going mm-hmm. to therapy, working on, at least for myself, the internalized homophobia that I was instilled upon, you know, instilled upon me growing up. So what do you do with that? You either become miserable and stay miserable well into your 30s and 40s and the rest of your life, or you work on yourself and you become your most authentic self. And that's, that's the path that I chose. And I've been on this journey now over a year, which I can get into more if you you know want to learn more.
0: <laughs> but yeah, well,
1: um, you know, when did it's a oh, constant sorry. battle? No, it's a it's it's a constant battle, Andrew. So
0: well, yeah. when did you come out to say family, friends? Like what was that turning point for you? The the mark yeah. not turning, but when was that moment?
1: <laughs> um, so I actually came out more than once. Um, I knew I was different when I was younger. I liked boys in my class. I like teachers, you know, or like the, the, the like small crushes, right. That we all go through in our time. But I was attracted to males from a very early age, not knowing what that was. Am I different? Is there something wrong with me? You know, coming from a conservative town in Northeast New Jersey that has completely shifted since I graduated high school and even moved out of the town, um, which I'm grateful for. I haven't been back since, but I am grateful that to know that, you know things are different from when I was growing up and coming into my own and coming out. So I came out in college when I was 19 as bisexual. I thought that was easier for myself to swallow, if you will. You know, to to come to terms with. Okay, maybe I'm attracted to women. Definitely attracted to men, and I retracted that within a matter of less than a month. That scared the heck out of me. So then I came out uh, officially as gay when on my 21st birthday. Um, I'm now much older than
0: that <laughs> yeah so, how old are you Joseph I'm just good
1: how old do I look
0: <laughs> oh no I'm not gonna play that game with you yep. um I'm 30 so give me a wink if you're 30. okay nope <laughs> not 30 okay well then we'll leave that one big but yep. you look very you look very dapper and handsome Joseph so it doesn't age does not matter. Too. <laughs> thank you well um shout out to the med spa skin med spa that i get my yeah. day my monthly <laughs> facials and i have a regimen a lot of skincare regimen but um Been here but we're good that's a whole different you know, we have to no you, spf everyone everyone your first step is wear spf moisturizer okay and red light therapy by the way anyway go ahead I love red light <laughs> therapy i've heard of that okay mm-hmm. um but yeah hydrofacials. Get a jet peel. Oh, you know, that'll be our de- another episode. We'll talk it about will. the beauty regimen because, <laughs> you know, going to Fire Island, I've had learned a lot about different Well, we could talk definitely about, you yeah. know, the gay community and what it means once you're now um, integrated and you start to learn all the nuances of the community. Um, sure. But where did you go to college, Joseph?
1: I went to the. Um... A long time ago, I went to Ramapo College of New Jersey. I uh, graduated with a BA in literature, um, which clearly helped me write my books, and I got into that field. But you know, I I have always been into literature. Of course, I've always you know loved the horror genre, written books. I'm working on my fourth book now, which we can get into if you want later. Um, but BA in literature from RCNJ, uh, class of 2010. I, I worked all throughout college. I put myself through college. So
0: Yeah. And you grew up, I'm assuming, right near Ramapoish.
1: I did. Yep. In cotton okay. County, New Jersey. Yep.
0: Yeah. And you're right. Like if for everyone out there who doesn't know New Jersey geography, even New Jerseyans uh, who, you know, we don't always know, especially if you're in north south, um, you know, people even like here in South Jersey, we think New Brunswick is North Jersey. And then some people debate that, no, that's central and what? Right. a lot of debates. Um, But <laughs> Ramapo is literally college. Ramapo College is literally the end of New Jersey. Like then you're in New York. Um, Correct. So, yeah, but like Bergen County, very massive. Um, So, yeah, there's like very... Progressive areas of Bergen County, I know, like Tenafly and um, I don't know if Englewood is Bergen, but um, yeah. And then you could be in uh, Morris County has its different political dynamics. I went to Kane University. Joseph knows that, but it's like borders Morris County. So I would go to uh, see my professor friend in Chatham all the time. And I know Summit really well. Yeah. Um, and I even know from those two towns, Summit is a little well. When I went to Kane, I graduated 2014, but Summit was like the more artsy place, almost like Montclair. Like Montclair is the bastion of New Yorker transplants, like people who it commute is. to the it city is. for the media. Um, yeah, Stephen Colbert has a house there. Yes, um, correct. But like Chatham, I know was very. Some were more conservative. Some were little open minded, but they didn't really talk about the differences. Yeah, it's suburbia. We get into all of those dynamics. Yeah. But what did it feel like when you came when you said you came out as bisexual? And I definitely I you know first, yeah, yeah. And I don't want to um I know we're not invalidating bisexual men, right? Like there are some like there are men who come out as bisexual and they know that's who they are. But like you were trying to find yourself, it seems like you were figuring out um, how can I come out in my own time without pulling the bandaid off? Like you were nervous about what it meant when you came out as gay. Like, if I'm wrong, let me know. Hi everyone, this is Dr. Andrew Rimby and I am so excited to be talking about Broadview Press. You might be asking, what is Broadview Press, Andrew? Broadview is an independent academic publisher in the humanities that produces high quality, pedagogically useful books for use in university and college classrooms. They publish in the humanities, mainly English studies, writing, philosophy, and history, just to name a few genres, and recently, I had on Dr. Jason Holt, who wrote all about the philosophy of sport, and what better summer episode than to talk about what happens when a philosopher dissects the beautiful aesthetics of sporting culture. In the spring, I had on Drs. Kyle Stedman and Tanya Rodriguez to talk about what is sound writing, how to make audio projects in the college classroom, how to even have your students create podcasts.
1: no you that's spot yeah. on i mean that was you know kind of not kind of it was testing the waters how would my friends you know on campus feel about me coming out as bisexual what did that mean for me knowing that i had only dated woman i mean having hooked up with of course gentlemen and whoever on campus you know hush hush behind the scenes and night. you know kind of like a vampire to be honest and that just hit me you know i just struck a chord with you i you probably saw a light bulb, blow up over my head because that's what I'm working on now is a vampire novella, part of the Voodoo Juice series. So I'm using a lot of my um, experiences from the past, but also from the past year with specific friends to write into that. So we can also get into that in a moment as to why I think gay men um, attach themselves or romanticize about vampires. That's Mm -hmm. later on in the conversation. But it was, it was certainly to test the waters to see how I felt about it, how I was being seen by my colleagues and my friends and my, also my professors, Mm. you know, and I retracted that because I was dating a woman at the time, you know, another student of mine, not not of mine, that I was friends with. Um, And even her reaction was, oh my gosh, that, that, that can't be true. You know, please tell me that's not true. So that made me spiral, rethink my my internal conversation. And I was like, ah, you know what? Never mind. I was wrong. I don't like men. And we moved on from there.
0: So Well, and I now mean, it was, right it was a whole journey. In 2023, like for someone to be in a relationship, whether it's with a woman or a man, and you're bisexual. Like your partner shouldn't judge you, right? Like if you're bisexual, that's your identity. Why would it, why would it Um, be something of concern? Like Correct. that's who you are and you're with, you chose to be with a person. Like that's your partner.
1: But even back then, I knew that women weren't for me. I was just too yeah. afraid, but that was my own struggle, my own cross to bear, my own stuff to get through. But yeah. even either the bisexuality or eventually romanticizing or fantasizing about coming out as a gay man, a gay young man, eons ago, let's put it that way. That wasn't even part of my identity. It was, it was something that I just knew was innately inside of me Mm. that I needed to, um, to further explore.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm not sure if you listened to the Zachary Zane episode, but like Zachary, um, is really prolific because he's one of the first male bisexual men to write a memoir that is so sexually freeing and removing the stigma of bisexuality, uh, uh, being greedy, like countering all of that. But so like what I'm saying is um, it's it's just a shame. But I hope and I think with Zachary, he does show this more of the general public is starting to understand the valence of being bisexual, like that it would not be cause for concern. Like if you're in a relationship, but you're right. I do think that men, especially in the early 2000s into like the 2010s, if you were a bisexual man, women um, had a stigma around that. Like were thought, oh, you're just gonna be, like, even if you're with me, you're going to be cheating on me with men. But it's like, if they were with a straight man, they could also ask, "Oh, you could cheat on me with women." I mean, it doesn't matter who you cheat with as a gender. Like cheating happens. Like there was a cheating stigma. is a problem. Yeah. Yeah. There was
1: there there was, and I still think there is in the queer community. Again, becoming less naive myself and educating myself on things, especially within pop culture and literature, but also mm-hmm. you know reading the facts, supporting friends who may be bisexual or mm-hmm. even non-binary, whatever that may look like. We each need to be on our own journey of education, become less naive assist each other within the spectrum of QIA plus, because we don't know what what somebody may identify as, but I'm definitely, again, I can speak for myself, my journey, I'm still learning. I have, you know, uh, nibblings that are non-binary. You know what I mean? I've been going to Pride really for the first time this past year, because I finally feel comfortable in my own skin, but still not a hundred percent comfortable. So this is an ever evolving journey, that I think especially as queer men, we're very judgmental, but we have a lot of baggage to uncover. And we have to work through our own demons in order to become our true selves and then help each other out going forward.
0: Well, and don't you, do you think Joseph about like, here you are with your story growing up in New Jersey, which so many in America look at New Jersey and think of it as very progressive, which like in politi- politics, the majority is, sure. um, you know, um. but like the Northeast, even you were struggling and do you ever think, OK, how about if I grew up, say, in the deep south, like would you be having the same experience or is there even probably
1: way worse, way worse, especially I mean, even as as an adult, as a full-grown man, I originally wanted to move down south. But now with the landscape politically and everything going on in Florida and not even the the deep south, but just the south, you know, Mm. past that Mason-Dixon line, which I love dearly. I have, you know, places that I visit with my boyfriend and my friends are coming to Myrtle Beach this year. And and I love all of that. But as of January, February-ish, my partner and I decided that we're not going near the South. We don't want to, we can't even start a family in the South. But coming and going through that, coming out in the, in the late nineties, early two thousands ish, it would have been way worse in the South. Way worse yeah. in the
0: South. Well, um we had on uh, doctors, uh, Eric Solomon and Marty uh, Padgett who are in the South and they, they've talked about Atlanta's queer history and, yeah, all the policies that you've mentioned. I mean, I know that this could be a rabbit hole, but like even on watching to see that Florida now, the Board of Ed in Florida thought that if you're teaching the oppressive nature of like teaching the ills of slavery, which it is, it was an ill and has lasting effects, um, right? There's still no reparation for black Americans. And, right, the civil rights marches were only, what, in the 1950s to 60s. That's not that mm-hmm. long ago. Um it really wasn't. And now they're saying, oh, but you have to teach how, in Florida, they're saying, as a board of ed, you have to teach um, benefits that slaves learned. And I'm like, yep. is this really happening? It, it's it is just happening. Crazy. It is happening. Just a little,
1: like, anecdote. My best, my best girlfriend, Melinda and I went to, we, we, we go to New Orleans once every few years, you know, together as our friends vacation. I just got back in April with my chosen family and my best guy friend met my best girlfriend and the world would have ended, you know, because they met because they're so dear to my heart. But, you know, just, I love the South so much, but we had gone to, I'm going to call it out. It is what it is. Oak alley plantation for the second time in 2018. We were going to go on a tour. We bought the tickets for the gardens. We had our cocktails and, you know, everything else. We specifically went to look at the slave cabins in the middle of the property and they were preserved and they had historically accurate information, you know, and, and artifacts within them. It took a few hours to really get through the, the minute details that they were offering, but we were overhearing the tour guides, which were white, cis men or women in their uniforms speaking Mm -hmm. to white, cis crowds. And they were literally feeding these people information about how positive slavery was for the enslaved back before, during, and after the Civil War in the South. Mm -hmm. And it was extremely cringe. We literally had to stop drinking our cocktails and leave it was so disturbing. So this is what was going on even before Florida decided with the Board of Education to teach that you know slavery was a positive thing for the enslaved.
0: This is yeah. nothing new. It's just and woven this is, into the
1: fabric of our
0: country. And like you said, I mean, all aspects of, like there's so much beauty in, I just remember in Georgia, like I've had family who lived there, um so i would like visit a few times and i love Atlanta, and i need to go to savannah i'm sure we'll talk about that in terms of gothic um i
1: love to go to savannah I this...
0: oh you haven't okay but uh, <laughs> yeah we'll definitely talk about new orleans because i haven't been there but
1: uh, you how know how much time it's... do you have i can speak about new Orleans. i know
0: <laughs> we'll get into it when we talk about interview with the vampire but I and queer as folk because the new season is in New yes. Orleans. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. Yes. So what is important though is the museums and the culture, like you said, how history is being presented. And because we are in the Northeast, we have multiple. Well, Philly has, I need to go to it, a I've heard it's such a beautiful, well done Black history museum. Um, I mean, DC has. A range of all museums, but New right. York City has the only um, soon it's going to be the only American LGBTQ, the only LGBTQ museum in the country, so yeah. yeah. Um, but they already have an LGBTQ art museum, the Leslie Loman, that I love. Anyone who's near New York City, it is free, <laughs> it's free. Um, the Leslie Loman, it's in Soho. I love Soho, I love the cobblestones. Okay, I'm in New York City. Even though I grew up by Philly, I still, (laughs) I'm like, I love Philly too. Well, Philly has a beautiful Jewish American museum. Yes. Um, But right, we can name different representation of identities in the Northeast of museums. Sadly, a lot of the South, it's very hard to find those representation matters with museums and history. And that's why I do think... I remember when I was in Atlanta, I went to the Margaret Mitchell house um, where she wrote Gone with the Wind. And it's right by Piedmont Park, I think. And I think it's in the area of Atlanta where um, there was a great fire, if I remember correctly. And then they had to rebuild downtown Atlanta. She's like, the house is right there. But they also did a cultural exploration in that museum. And so did the tour guide, from what I remember, um, of showing for like inheriting this racial bias from her plant, like a family who inherited money from the plantation system and sure. were exploiting um, Black Americans, were exploiting slaves. And, you know, that's how they were making their money. So, right, in Atlanta, in a center like that, where I do think it is the bastion of Black intellectuals and professional life, Atlanta, it, it was... It's just so empowering for, I mean, I'm not black, I'm white, I'm cisgender, I'm a man. But like, even to see that um, the presence of black intellectualism, it's so important for those who are white to be in a place like Atlanta and go to the museums. But Like you said, unfortunately, sometimes you go to a place like a plantation and they're going to give you a history that is rewritten Um, and whitewashed. And whitewashed, yes, yes. in
1: between one fun fact, I have a lot of them. (laughs) If um, whoever's listening and watching, if they want to watch Antebellum, I would recommend watching that movie. It's not essentially a horror movie, it's more of a thriller. Um, but they actually used and reutilized the lenses that they filmed *Gone with the Wind* for a completely different story for *Antebellum*. So that was a cool um, evolution of of that equipment.
0: So wait, is this the film where they? I, now I need to watch it, Joseph. But you're reminding <laughs> me. Is this the film with Lapita Nyong'o?
1: No. It's Janelle Monet. Um, oh, okay. But it flashes back. In- yeah. I can't think of her last name or or to mispronounce it, but definitely antebellum. Definitely watch it. Definitely um is an important part of pop culture history. So
0: okay. And it was being billed as a gothic. That's right. It was like time, like flashing back of time. It kind of blurs, Correct. it seems. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, everyone out there, I was thinking Lupita (laughs) Nyong'o is in 20 Years a Slave. Yes, yes. A very important film too, but a historical period film with Sarah Paulson, who is just evil. Um, Sarah Paulson, talk about American Horror Story. She's good at the evil, uh, psychologically unhinged. Yeah. (laughs) She's she's good at unhinged characters. Um, Correct. (laughs) But like going back to... You know, thank you, everyone listening to hopefully you all are adding, you know, these texts and films and TV shows to your list. You should. (laughs) They should. I know. And. What I was thinking of when you were talking about just this process of coming out, so like when. Do you remember saying to yourself, oh, I'm gay? Like, when did that even get voiced? When did you utter the word? Around the age of 21,
1: I had first come out to my grandmother because I had just literally fallen into this deep, depressive episode, and I couldn't take it anymore because I knew it was bubbly up inside me. I knew the truth was there. I, I couldn't face it. I had to face it. So I came out to my grandmother first. Yeah.
0: Well, and when did, or not even when did, but how did you know, okay, now I'm ready to talk to my friends. Like, I'm ready to open up about this and expand my coming out to you know that it wasn't a one-on-one situation like where yeah, short, you were living you were that, living
1: out yeah yeah shortly after that but it was still not to be discussed within my household even after I came out you know we had some familial turmoil of course you know I didn't have the best coming out story but not what was me just not a cautionary tale just my story. And we're all different with our coming out stories. Um, But I came out to friends. I played the guessing game over aim. I have something to tell you, guess what it is. I couldn't really ever say the words to be honest up until like pride this year. And after I've been going on this journey, am I finally comfortable so many years later, actually saying I'm a gay man. I don't have to be masculine or feminine or pick or choose. I'm me. And I'm finally okay with saying that all these years later, to be perfectly honest.
0: Hi, this is Andrew, and I'm interrupting what I know is an exciting ITBR episode to talk to you about one of our sponsors, the Gay and Lesbian Review. Discover new things about gay and lesbian literature, history, and culture With a subscription to the Gay and Lesbian Review, a bi-monthly magazine of history, culture, and politics that publishes essays in a wide range of disciplines, as well as a slew of reviews of books, plays, and movies, and a number of special features, such as artist profiles and our popular art memo column. Each issue of the Gay and Lesbian Review brings you consistently intelligent, lively, thought-provoking articles focused on a unifying theme, and it brings together the leading minds on the topic. You won't find a lot about the latest dating fads or fashion trends, but you will definitely find articles about online dating, like using Grindr as a social phenomenon, or even the gay influence on 20th century fashion. Did you know that I've actually interviewed three gay and lesbian review contributors? Make sure you listen to my Ignacio Darnad breaking the gay code in art episode, where Ignacio explains that key artistic figures like Michelangelo, Donatello, Thomas Eakins, J.C. Liondecker, and Tama Finlan all have really explicit homoerotic artwork. And then head on over to the next episode where I talk with. Dr. Vernon Rosario, about LGBTQ psychiatry and how homosexuality got depathologized. And our most recent episode was with the Gay and Lesbian Review's literary editor, Martha E. Stone, and she talks about what LGBTQ literature you should be reading this summer and also how to become a contributing writer and a reviewer for the Gay and Lesbian Review. To subscribe, visit glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot org. Click subscribe and enter the promo code ITBR to receive a free copy with any print or digital subscription. And as an added bonus, you also receive online access to all of the Gay and Lesbian Review's archived issues. All of them. Okay, enjoy your reading, everyone. Hi, everyone. This is Andrew, and I am interrupting what I know is such an exciting Ivory Tower Boiler Room episode to tell you all about one of my favorite podcasts. It's called That Old Gay Classic Cinema, and it's hosted by Christian Garcia. Christian is joined with guest co hosts to talk about classic cinema films that we know and love, and he analyzes them through a queer lens. So, He's talked about The Sound of Music, Alfred Hitchcock, The Wizard of Oz, Sleeping Beauty, 101 Dalmatians, and recently, Hello, Dolly. I actually was on his first ever episode to talk about my love of The Sound of Music and playing Captain Von Trapp in my high school musical. Then I was joined with Mary DePippi, the host of True Crime in Academia, and our friend Travis Roundtree to talk about Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo. Mary just had Christian on True Crime and Academia to talk about female poisoners, including the evil queen from Snow White and actual real-life female poisoners. So... Christian's podcast is the best. You must add it to your listen list. After you listen to this episode, make sure you head over to That Old Gay Classic Cinema on Apple and Spotify. Make sure you follow him on Instagram at That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And he's also on TikTok. Don't forget TikTok. Okay. I can't wait for you all to listen to That Old Gay Classic Cinema. And now back to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Well, first, thank you for being so open and honest. And that is such a powerful moment. It's the moment like where I I remember my first Pride Parade in New York City. It was um, maybe 20... I want to say it was 2015, but it could have been 2016. But I think it was 2015, (laughs) regardless. But then I... um, like marched in it twice. I um went to the World Pride Parade in twenty nineteen. Um didn't go to Pride this year because I went to Fire Island right after. And right. <laughs> I had a dissertation to finish. So I will be at that Pride next <laughs> year. Yeah. I will see you at Pride next year in New York City. Yes.
1: Jason. And we're um, gonna bring I'm gonna bring my new gaze there too. And we're gonna have a grand. Yes, time,
0: so. I love yeah. it. Um and like what was it like? when you started hanging out do you remember when you started to grow a gay group of friends because it is tough to cultivate in my opinion a group of especially gay male friends sure like a a a large group I'm not saying everyone needs to have a large group but like just a group where you're not thinking okay this has to be necessarily a sexual connection or this has to be romantic like okay we can all hang out together and you know that dynamic of course might appear uh but you know that you're actually just hanging out and doing game like outings events all of that i i can tell you i mean just hitting it
1: over a year a year and a month or so um long story short That's, you know, when I went to Florida for my clients that live in Florida, doing their social media, you know, working through not only the internalized homophobia while I'm traveling, but um, the imposter syndrome and, you know, kind of growing my business. Um, I had met my now best gay guy friend off of Facebook randomly. We were just talking. We hit it off immediately. I eventually became his life coach for a short while. And he wasn't seeing his boyfriend at the time. I have, of course, been with my boyfriend over, you know, 18 years. Just kind of seeing, like testing the waters as far as how we would be working as friends, right? What that would look like. Um, Not having had gay friends up until that point. Gay acquaintances, you know, people I've worked with on projects, gay um, uh, clients. But not a very intimate, you know, deeply rooted gay friendship ever until last summer. So I came back from Myrtle Beach. You know, he and I came back. We we drew the boundaries. He started seeing now his boyfriend. Um, October 2000, so last October, October 23rd, we went, we all met together. My friend and I brought our boyfriends to meet, make sure everybody got along. We went on a hike in New Paltz, New York. And we hit it off. It was this foursome, not in a sexual manner, just in this intimate um almost religious you know happening this this big event has exceeded all expectations not only for myself and my my best friend but also him and his boyfriend and for myself and my boyfriend and we've hit it off extremely well that i can call them family Mm -hmm. and that only happened less than a year ago so that's really when i can pinpoint everything came you know not only for myself and my partner but for my friend and his boyfriend that also didn't really have gay friends to, to call their own or to become a pack or to become family essentially. So, yeah.
0: Well, I'm going to be the reality TV producer right now. And, you know, I want some of the juice, Joseph, um, (laughs) or steaminess, but like, would you be opposed to not just you personally, but do you think that there can be a group of say four friends where, there is a sexual dynamic like can there be a group who is not necessarily polyamorous but can you have sexual relationships with your closest friends all staying within being part of a group like do you think that it changes the dynamic i'm gonna say yes i
1: think it will change the dynamic not you know the right thing for myself you know for me and my group because we're you know um, each in a monogamous relationship, but we understand that, you know, but we, um, more family than, you know, than the other. Um, and we are a very handsome group of friends. I have to, you know, I'm very proud of that. Uh, not to sound too shallow, but you know, still gay, um, and a little catty, but I think if you establish boundaries and maybe not necessarily they're in relationships, and they understand from the beginning of what that sexual relationship would look like, I mean, go for it, just be safe. And I support that hundred percent. I think that can work, but for me, you know, maybe if I were single, you know what I mean? The whole whole dynamic print. um, But, you know, I I definitely think it could work with within the right circumstances for certain people, a hundred percent and zero judgment coming from me.
0: Yeah. Well, it's kind of, Since I am single, um, I have all these theories in my mind of, I mean, I definitely agree with you. Boundaries are so important with my gay friends. Like we have those conversations and, you know, but there are those I've had a casual sexual relationship with, but then we are still friends. Like that is possible. But again, you have the conversation, but then I thought, oh, maybe this will turn into something romantic. And then it didn't. Like that didn't happen because it, the other person saw it more as a casual connection. And sure. you have to be okay with that, right? If you want to continue being friends. So Absolutely. yes, all different dynamics. But um, being on Fire Island, I see so many situations, especially, you know, being at the Belvedere, like, which is only for queer men. And I see a lot of couples who are open and they're like spicing their relationship up. And then there's some who are with, you know, they're polyamorous. They're with three people or like me, I'm single and I'm just trying to meet people and mingle. And I don't have expectations, but everything, you know, is conversation with boundaries and being safe. Sure, it has and to be. Yeah. So I think that, When, like, with your group of friends, you know, would you go on a gay cruise together? Would you, you know, go to the Belvedere, like, a clothing optional place? Or you think, okay, maybe not with that group, but it just depends on the people that I'm surrounded with. Like, I think it depends
1: on the people I'm surrounded with. I would say my group, probably not, but we're all very similar in the sense where we, we know our boundaries, and we're still getting to know each other as friends. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't want to do anything anybody else didn't want to do. Um, always up for an adventure, but that may look like you know going to Myrtle Beach together for a long weekend, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And enjoying um, the fruits of our of our labor, of the work that we've all put into the friendships. That's more my speed, more our speed, I believe. You know what I mean? But again, no judgment. That's just, but again, if I were single, that story can be completely different.
0: Yeah, well, like if we were all in a reality show, which I still am trying to manage. I do think um, anyone out there, there needs to be a really dynamic, like gay Northeast reality show. And I volunteer myself Please sign me to up be, for that. Yeah, I'd love to be like the that. center of the messiness because I can bring it. But right. I would love to just be like that single, just- carefree, um ready to be so sexually empowered, and then all the friends are gossiping about him. Like what is right. happening? <laughs> but all in good fun. No, we'd have a good time with that, Joseph. I think okay. Oh, yeah. Joseph is involved <laughs> in it too. Um but what I am, you know, curious about is something that you had talked with me about that I thought was really fascinating is Like we talked about coming into your own with coming out as gay, but like, it seems as if you also had this, um, coming into your own with your body, with sex, with, you know, you said you've been with your boyfriend for 18 years and you use the term boyfriend, not husband, not that I'm crying, but I'm just curious, (laughs) like that's a long time to be with someone, especially, you know, in your coming out journey. Yeah, I mean, we met when we were in our
1: 20s, you know, 23. That's very early on, you know, in a young man's life, but a young game, you know, man's life. And we've we had been in other relationships in the past. You know, were we ready necessarily back then? I don't know. I think we were still too young, but we have made it through trials and tribulations all these years. And we've been monogamous. Not to say that any couple doesn't go through their ups and downs, you know, peaks and valleys. Um, but last year was definitely a turning point for a lot of things in our relationship, you know, but each of us as individuals, I was going through a change, a journey, um, a spiritual and physical journey myself first. I had gotten back from Florida. I didn't know where I was with, you know, my now gay best friend, you know, as far as being a client or being my friend who turned into family, I had lost weight. I had not lost weight in a while. What did that look like? How am I feeling? Am I more sexually active in my in my partnership? You know, all these things I had felt in a while came to the forefront and I had to work through those, you know, those like changes within my journey and it was it was interesting. It was difficult at times to see where I wanted to land and what my future or I wanted my future to be and what that would look like.
0: Yeah, well, you're giving me a lot to reflect on because I have been really enjoying the like single free, well, I don't want to call it freedom because (laughs) I don't think when you're in a relationship necessarily you don't have freedom because you should have freedom. Um, You should have freedom And independence, of course. (laughs) That's like a bodily and a spiritual autonomy. Um, But I like know for myself, I really am like when I find a boyfriend and someone to settle down with. I really do want it to be monogamous. Like, I think I've come to that realization, you know, but right now I'm having fun just being flirty and enjoying, you know, being on the prowl. Um, But again, I think with a boyfriend, (laughs) with a husband, eventually, I could go to a place like the Belvedere and still be, you know, embracing nudity and my body with my boyfriend or partner, whatever happens. And enjoy that flirty dynamic, but right, a flirty dynamic and a sensual dynamic doesn't necessarily mean something uh, sexual has to happen, right? And again, we go back to conversations and especially having a conversation with your partner, which everything you've talked to me about, you both have a really communicative style. It's not like... You have to. You have to. I mean, even
1: in the worst possible situation that you can think of with your partner or boy or whoever just communicate. You know, that's one thing I've definitely learned over 18 years is just communicate, no matter how daunting a task that may seem, (laughs) wake up every morning and you have to communicate that there's no way around that in my opinion.
0: And I don't want to say that you're part of this group I'm about to talk about, but there are gay men, um, when some of my closest friends, I'm not going to say their name because <laughs> <laughs> we are on air, um, but but it's not a negative. But they've said to me they would love to go to Fire Island, but they're nervous, like they're nervous about. And I remember what it was like when I first went and I heard, oh, this is clothing optional. And is there like, but I'm not happy with my body. And then, I mean, I've also now gone through a really like journey of my health, my fitness, being very happy like empowered with body positivity with myself. Uh, Correct. And I really do attribute that to being around such powerful gay men and queer people, definitely queer people. You know, I don't wanna exclude other genders, Um, but that Fire Island dynamic is very empowering. Like there is something when you're surrounded by gay men and you don't have to think, okay, well, I'm out with everyone in my life, but is this going to be a topic of conversation? Like it isn't a topic right. of conversation there. Um, instead, it's about what profession do you do? Like, oh, where are you coming from? Oh, I know that place in the city. Like, oh yeah, maybe we'll join each other like to see a show or get coffee. Like, and you start to build a network. And that's more you know, interesting to me, yeah. you know, that part of the
1: conversation, and speaking about pop culture and literature and music and how you can potentially grow your network of friends but also of professionals within the community that's more important to me than a clothing optional you know what i mean vacation or fire island which i'm not opposed to going to
0: no but you should come joseph
1: within the right first of all,
0: you're gonna come <laughs> i'm gonna set up a, no i am next summer i'm setting up like a large gay group to just like you know find hotels they want to stay at with their comfort zone and we're all going to just Almost in a way, have a um, motivational conference on the beach, so to speak. But like even that, like the sexiness of how you feel sexy, like that's right, not about how others are judging you. Because I don't think once you try to think of how others perceive you, um, ego gets in the way, or you're really going to start your anxiety starts to ramp up. But what I think is so beautiful is the conversations like you're saying, pop culture. I know a lot of writers who I meet on Fire Island and we go because of the nature. Like there's something I was finishing my dissertation every day for four hours to five hours a day. I would like be writing, then I would exercise, then I would swim, (laughs) I would lay out and tan, like get to meet all the people at the restaurants. And sure, a lot of people go for the nature and the beach. And I mean, I would say the majority are there for the environment. Yeah, did I go to like a high tea party at the Pines um, with my friend and there was about 400 gay men? Yes, that was, you know, or there were queer people, but a lot, the majority were gay men. Um, It was a little overwhelming, but that's just because I wasn't used to it. But then I realized, oh, wait, like we're hanging out. People are taking pictures of each other. Again, it's about the comfort you feel within. I was just gonna
1: say, you know, but also a lot of us have grown up with body dysmorphia, you know, and because of culture and society, but wanted to just to to add this to the conversation for myself, a lot of that has been, you know, working through in therapy on my journey the past year plus. A lot of it also has been incorporated in my in my literature. That's very cathartic to me to write characters, but weaving myself into the characters, not only my first, second, third books, but the book I'm working on now. Last summer literally almost killed me because I was trying, of course, to get published, you know, for the event that I had set up beforehand. That's how I work. I work backwards with my with my books and my projects. But especially this one, a year later with a different perspective, I'm less naive. I'm more empowered. I have a better body. I I have better Relations, you know, sexually, you know, both personally and with my partner, you know, and I'm more open. I have gay friends. There's a completely different perspective that I as a creative and as a writer can put into my works after going through different parts of myself and these transitions in order to create a work that I'm happy with, but also helped me
0: get through the toughest parts of my life the past year at the same time. Well, it's so beautiful that you're writing and I also work backwards too. I set a deadline and then yeah. that's that was my dissertation. I like wrote, um, you know, by uh, director, Dr. Susan Shekel. She could tell, I, I mean, I'll reveal it, but I know it was like, at least two thirds of my writing happened within the last three months because I knew about my deadline and I work that yep. way. I really need to know a specific time boundary right it's very I think motivating the, yeah i need that motivation um Same but here. also a, yeah and i also need my um time to relax time to um walk exercise like take time for your mind is so important for writing right. I like to hear how much your writing empowers you like with your own identity is freeing and so important but also i know like you know as we near the end of our conversation like i said joseph will be back in the gay you know culture <laughs> corner because i knew it would go by quick we have so much to talk about still. i know we have New so much talk and everything about. else <laughs> but like why why gothic like for um queerness why the gothic like why horror why has this fascinated you as a genre <laughs> LGBT stories are universal, but each one speaks to the individual heart and soul of the writer telling it. Do you have a story to tell? Or have you been moved recently by an LGBT book, film, painting, television show, or other form of media? Then the Gay and Lesbian Review wants to hear from you. The GNLR believes in bringing awareness to queer art and artists through reviews, commentary, and thought pieces in which the author relates their personal lives to a particular piece of art, a novel, a movie, or what have you. In addition to the print magazine, the GNLR also publishes articles on its blog as well as personal essays on its popular Here's My Story section on glreview.org. That's G-L-R-E-V-I-E-W dot org. To learn more about submitting an article for the GNLR, visit their writer's guidelines. The link is located at the bottom of the homepage. And if you have any questions, email publisher Stephen Hemrick. That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N dot H-E-M-R-I-C-K at GLReview.org. The GNLR and its readers can't wait to see what you have to say.
2: Hey, Ivory Tower Boiler Room listeners and true crime friends. You've heard me gush over this incredible woman and her beautiful products. I'm talking about Mandy Made It. Mandy makes customized and original crochet and creak cut goods. They are the perfect, unique, one-of-a-kind gift for literally anyone in your life. And she makes incredible home decor. I still have my pumpkins that I put out every fall. I just love them. Check her out on Instagram at M-A-N-D-E-E Made It or search Mandy Made It on Facebook. To order, just slide into her DMs. And if you mention the Ivory Tower Boiler Room, you will receive a free personalized gift with your first order. So go on instagram and look up at mandy made it and mandy is spelled m a n d e e again her handle is at mandy made it mandy spelled m a n d e e and order today
1: i would say first and foremost in society for you know for hundreds of years the queer community, especially gay men, have been labeled as monsters, even to this day. So why don't, of course, we identify as mm-hmm. the dark, smooth, sexy, behind-the-curtains, underground creatures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because we also internalize that. So why not look You know, to the genre as a form of escapism, but also at the same time, if we look deep enough and we read deep enough and we explore deep enough, you know, we can romanticize about that too and kind of take take that genre back at the same time. That's what I've been doing with, with writing my own pieces, my own books, my own literature, mm-hmm. you know, fantasizing about, of course, my characters that are speaking to me and breathing through me, but also getting it in on paper because it's cathartic because I can weave myself into the monster, you know what I mean? And I have the deepest, darkest, darkest parts of myself, but it's also very empowering at the same time that, I did it and I'm working through my own, you know what, BS because I can't act it out in real life or it has to come out somehow. And that's also why I think the horror genre for gay men especially mm. is extremely important. And, and, and we need more uh, gay creatives to write and explore and publish and release projects that are for us,
0: by us, 100% hands down. Absolutely. Well, and I'm so glad you're part of that conversation, part of that group of writers. And it's like when I teach Dracula first, I love teaching Dracula um, alongside of the, um, it's going to come to me, uh, Coppola film uh, version. And I think that when I teach Dracula, Bram Stoker is actually using that monstrosity. There's so much same sex desire happening between um, Jonathan and Dracula mm. that he also is writing right when Oscar Wilde like had just been sentenced uh, to imprisonment for being a homosexual. So, right. you know, there's like that background and but the picture of Dorian Gray with Oscar Wilde, he's really, in my analysis, contemplating the youthful beauty this beauty standard that can't be achieved, but also what happens when the young man rejects the older men trying to take advantage of him and yep. telling him who he is. So, yeah, I mean, I have a huge fan of the Gothic. <laughs> I love Stephen King. I mean, I think, you know, I'm like obsessed with Carrie, um, yep. <laughs> but you know, I need to watch like Joseph. I told Joseph, I haven't watched, I saw the trailer, but I am going to watch all of interview of the vampire oh. from AMC But it already (laughs) seems so different than the um, Tom Cruise film version. Like it it just, which is which is beautiful. Yeah, which is beautiful. But this is a completely different retelling
1: of the story. Um, You know, more in line with what Anne Rice had intended originally, with this, with her. You know, her first book. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you haven't gone, whoever's listening to New Orleans to see her house and to envelop yourself in the culture. That's an entirely different hour conversation, Andrew, because I can speak about that also for hours. Um, and what that means for me and my writing and my friends and the, my last trip for my birthday and and everything else. Um, but it's a lot more homosexual centric than the movie with Tom Cruise, which is mm-hmm. sexy in its own way, but it's outdated. This is a more uh, updated version for the modern viewer
0: yeah and Lestat is seducing but like the seduction is on his own terms it's not um gaudy it's not just for provocative sake and no, then like the vampires the men are actually coming together um in a bond like there's a relationship it's yeah i feel like the
1: film it's very, is very it's a very one-sided. difficult relationship you know it's it's yeah. there's a little bit of bisexuality you know mm-hmm. within this um which i'm actually rewatching you know purposely for the show um to speak with you about it but um for inspiration for for my vampire novel you know to to, to get um to work through of course my own <laughs> demons um if you will but Lestat and Louis are you know kind of like father son they're kind of like brothers they're lovers they're very intertwined within their relationships And it's very interesting that I think a lot of us gay men and within the queer, you know, community can relate to those different facets of the persona and the characters themselves. Mm
0: -hmm. Well, so everyone out there who's watching Interview with the Vampire, I'm going to be on the same journey. I'll post, (laughs) I'll post TikTok clips of like when I'm watching, ask questions of you all. I love doing that now. Um, I just did that for American Horror Story, New York City, which already the first episode has got me captivated. I um love sandra bernhard and i love the whole cast amazing Um, and i love this season already i because to me american horror stories sometimes um didn't necessarily entice me especially i think it was the cult one that i tuned out of um but i hadn't watched since the um Well, I loved Coven. That was like one of my favorites because I'm a huge. I've watched it at least twenty
1: times since it came out 2014 after my first trip to New Orleans with my best girlfriend. So yeah, Yeah. right, and it's very (laughs) Anne
0: Rice. It has that element, but it also has the um, like Salem Witch Trials, Tituba with Angela Bassett. Like it has a lot of layers. Um, all the
1: folklore, but but also with with voodoo, which is one of the hearts of New Orleans, even to this day. You walk down the street. You see symbols on all the buildings and on the concrete. I mean, it's a very um, vital part of the community down there.
0: Yeah. So, again, I'm going to watch through all of American Horror Story (laughs) and give updates. But I do want to shout out at the end, you know, maybe where we're leaving off is actually where we're going to pick up, which is with TV and, you know, what it's like when we're now watching these representations, you know, where does in Just Like That end, especially with Mario Cantone and... The non-binary dynamic with Che and then Miranda, you know, I think she does say she's a lesbian, but then now, um, you know, she's trying to find her sexuality. So I'm kind of curious to see where that ends, but then just like that in the season. I think we'll have a lot yeah. to talk about at the end of the summer into the fall. Um, Absolutely. Yep. New TV, I know is, I'm sure there'll be new shows that will um, <laughs> you know, have at the ready. Um, you know, I'm sad that queer as folk didn't get a second season. No, but...
1: that was a very important show to me too, as I was um embarking on this transitional journey, you know, within myself, meeting my new gay best friend and, you know, his boyfriend, and and you know, coming to terms once again, an older older gay gentleman with who I am as a as a queer person at the same time. So that struck chords with me as I was progressing in this journey as well. That's yeah. Well,
0: and I think in the fall, we'll be into the new Gilded Age, which I really like that series. Yes. And there is there is a queer male dynamic there. So I'm curious to see what happens. Bridgerton, yep. there was queer male dynamic and then they basically dropped it. And I they don't dropped know it happen. very quickly, which was
1: enticing and intriguing at first. But then they just who knows? Ratings. What else is new?
0: Ratings or <laughs> gay baiting um like youtubers or tiktok yep. but um <laughs> yeah so we have a lot to discuss i can't wait to come back i think right away we should talk about queerest folk the original maybe i'll rewatch the original a little i haven't yep. seen it in a long time but i did used to when i was coming out in high school i watched like all of the queerest folk original episodes the Me american too. original because i know there's yep. the british um and I'll I'll watch the new season. I really like Ryan O'Connell. I'll shout him out. He has a novel called Just By Looking At Him. Um, very like a more hyper erotic. Call me by your name. Um, and uh, his partner, Jonathan, was on the show. Uh, he wrote Yes, Daddy, which is a psychosexual <laughs> thriller. Um, yep. And also American Horror Story already is reminding me of P.J. Vernon's bathhouse, who was on the show. I um, just
1: read that my my oh, friend so boyfriend read it? that. I read that, and my boyfriend had also just read that. So bathhouse, like definitely recommend, definitely
0: yes. recommend. And yeah, Jonathan Parks' "Ramage's," yes, Daddy is. Let's just say a group of gay men get, um, basically, um, forced into work for older gay men in the Hamptons. Perfect. It's like a very,
1: you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean sign me up. Well, Just kidding. <laughs> Just yeah, no kidding. problem with
0: that, everyone. Um no. <laughs> well, this is wonderful, Joseph. And please tell everyone how can they follow you? And I know you'll be back, but I want to get everyone caught up with all your social channels, especially with yeah, your new yeah. so
1: app. I'm most
0: active on Instagram.
1: Yeah, well, thank you very much again for having me. Of course, this is I'm I'm so grateful um for your time and your platform. But you can find me on Instagram, that's where I'm most active at Joseph A. Federico the hashtags, Joseph A. Federico, and the Marketing Maven. You can find all my crazy uh, TikTok-esque videos and reels <laughs> and promo. Um, I'm working on Voodoo Juice um, Final Sip. Um, Origins, Cody's Story came out last summer. Um, it's currently in um, hard copies and on Barnes & Noble for three ninety nine. dollars 99 um, And... Um, you can check out all the social media offerings. I'm also a social media marketing specialist and
0: director and anchors to desk Wonderful. And Thank you. yeah, I can't wait for our next conversation. Oh, and everyone out there in the audience, if there's like a show or a movie, you know, now that I'm not writing my dissertation, I still have projects and I'm writing, but now that I can like watch a few more TV shows, if you have recommendations, you know, DM me. And I'll try to, like, let Joseph know. So I think now, Joseph, you've basically become, like, the gay pop culture um, expert with me. We're going to be just re-watching TV and movies. I will
1: hop on. We can talk for as many hours as you like, Andrew. That's fine. Okay.
0: (laughs) I would love that. But, you know, I think incrementally is working. (laughs) No, no. no. But I'll definitely, you know, this is out in the summer. I'll have you back in the fall. I think every season. We just need to hear some more gay culture. Okay. Well, thank you, Joseph. And thanks for being so open, authentic, honest, and telling your story. I know it's not always easy. So I really appreciate you just being game for all of the questions.
1: My pleasure. Game and extremely gay, which I'm comfortable speaking about now.
0: (laughs) Gay game. Okay. Um, Thank you, Joseph. And bye to all the listeners out there. Bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. This is Andrew Rimby, the host and director of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. I am joined with Mary DePippi, our chief contributor and host of True Crime and Academia. Please if you're not, make sure that you follow the Ivory Tower Boiler Room and True Crime and Academia on Instagram and Twitter. And TikTok, too. Remember our TikTok? That's where all the exciting video clips are posted. Make sure that you join our Patreon if you want more Ivory Tower Boiler Room and true crime and academia content. All the video interviews are on our Patreon. All of our bonus episodes are on Patreon. And it just means so much for you to join. For $5 a month, you unlock all of our bonus episodes. And also it just helps support the Ivory Tower Boiler Room. Thank you so much for giving Mary and I a needed jolt of caffeine for coffee. Thanks for the $5. Head to patreon.com slash Ivory Tower Boiler Room. We cannot wait for you all to listen to our summer season. There are so many exciting episodes and we're also celebrating three years of the Ivory Tower Boiler Room podcast. So. Without further ado, thanks for listening. Make sure you listen to the next episode next week and have a wonderful summer season, everyone. Okay. Bye now.